Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, friends, this is going to have a little bit of a different sound to it. Sorry to say. Your good pal Dano has what I think I can only describe as debilitating laryngitis. It's not usually a pair of words you throw together, but when your job relies on speaking, yeah. So anyway, I'm putting in for disability. That's the, uh, that's how this bad boy's getting going. I'm going to do my best to kind of keep the volume lower. The, the pitch will be equally low. There will not be a lot of excitement in my voice. Whatever I can conjure is going to be like a, a trick of vocal inflection. And also, if it wasn't immediately evident, the podcast is not going to be as long as usual, even though it is a delightful reverse chronological lightning round Monday here on Fantasy NBA Today. You guys know I love reverse chronological lightning round Mondays, but I just can't lean into it the way that I normally would. So I want to get you guys all the the most important key stuff in kind of a quick hitter edition, like a true lightning round this time. And, uh, and then we'll just sign off for the day because, damn it, the Iron Man streak will go on even if the podcast is absolute trash, which I think today's uh, might be. So sit back, relax as best you can, and try not to cringe and cry as you hear me work my way through a bunch of box scores from over the weekend. I uh, <clears throat> We were going like, we went true reverse chronological the last couple of weeks, and we're going to keep doing that. So we're going to start on Sunday night. And work our way back towards Sunday morning, even though it really doesn't make any difference. We're, we're just looking at the most recently played game for each team in the NBA. So, uh, that would be the Lakers and the Wizards. And the Lakers were able to squeeze by. I don't know if you folks were able to see the final play of this game, but LeBron tried to thread the needle on a pass. It went off of Kyle Kuzma's knee, bounced off of Denny Avdia, back to LeBron, who picked it up, fired to Thomas Bryant under the basket, and Bryant dunked it for what ended up being the game winner. And we also got a report over the weekend that Anthony Davis is out for about a month. They don't know the exact timeline. The thought is at least a month, I think, was the initial ruling. So you're probably looking at more than that. This is AD we're talking about. I'd love to have optimism that it's four weeks, but uh, I don't. In the meantime, Bryant is a must-own, must-start player. He had 16-10 to 10 with a couple of three balls. He'll usually sort of dink and doink his way into a block every now and again. He's not going to put up... AD numbers on defense there, but he will get you good percentages. He can actually stretch the floor a little bit, and then he's going to get some defensive stats, largely because teams are going to be attacking the crap out of him. Whereas with AD, they kind of funnel everything to him. Uh, This is going to end up going to Bryant because that's what other teams are now going to choose to do. Lakers are sitting half of their team on a back-to-back in Phoenix, but if we if we try to ignore that that's the way their week begins, the other news from this, in addition to Bryant being an obvious uh, play-in-all-formats kind of guy, is that Austin Reeves picked up a little bit of usage. Not a ton. He only took five shots in that game and a couple of free throws, but it almost seems like he has to be more involved. Dennis Schroeder took a few extra shots as well, uh, but his fantasy game doesn't line up quite the way that Reeves does. Austin much more efficient. I'm not adding him. I thought about adding Reeves actually for this back-to-back, and then now he's one of the guys. He tweaked an ankle in this win over the Washington, so he's sitting out the back-to-back in Phoenix. 
Uh, so that didn't really play itself out. And then Lonnie Walker, the fourth, who has been, for most of the year, kind of hanging on just above the cut line. This is going to help him. They're really now, whereas previously, he was a guy where you'd have, you know, like two games that were pretty good and then one that was kind of bad. Getting this extra guaranteed usage, an extra shot or two, whatever it is with Anthony Davis out, pretty much guarantees that he won't have those maximum quiet games that he was having every once in a while before. Over on the Withers side, Bradley Beal is back, so that pretty much puts the nail in the coffin on any uh, wing streams that you might have been considering. Danny Avia didn't do much. Monte Morris, if you want to talk about the guards, his usage rate plummets when Beal's back in there because there's really only enough for Beal and Porzingis and Kuzma to get shots up. Daniel Gafford had a better ball game, but he's been kind of in and out in terms of what he's been able to do fantasy-wise, so this is more than anything just... You know, streamers officially now uh, gone by the wayside. Nikola Jokic, a, uh, a line that hasn't been seen since Wilt Chamberlain. 40 points, 27 rebounds, and 10 assists in a triple-double. He, he managed to miss some free throws in this game, which put just the tiniest damper on what was otherwise an unbelievably insane performance. Uh, but we can't really focus on that. Again, I don't have the, the vocal strength to to talk about the, the good things on, for players that are going to be universally rostered in fantasy sports. So let's just try to focus on any the, any fringe topics, the, the stuff that actually requires discussion, such as uh, Jamal Murray kind of playing through a knee thing right now. They'll probably give him a little rest if he needs it. His, his shot has cooled. But he'll be fine. You're not doing anything there. Um, if he misses time, Bones it tends to be the guy that gets a little bit extra fun. KCP has actually cranked it back up here after a really good start to the year, a very slow stretch in the middle, and now he's been good for about the last 7 to 10 days. He really is settling into that streamer level, the schedule streamer types. Well, you want to get him on good scheduling weeks. He's not really someone you can trust in Games Cap Roto. Uh, and I actually kind of feel the same way about Bruce Brown right now, who's had a couple of decent ones after uh, about two weeks of slow ones. He's also settling into that, you know, between 100 and 120 kind of range. And uh, so, again, use these guys when the Denver schedule makes the most sense. Terry Rozier dealt with a hip contusion on the Charlotte side. He's doubtful for their next ball game, which, I mean, added to the freaking list at this point. That basically means that uh, Kelly Oubre, who started the second half of that game when when Rozier was unable to continue, he moves back into the starting lineup. He'll get a bump, but he was taking plenty of shots anyway. LaMelo Ball will do even a little bit more. He's been great since coming back. P.J. Washington will get an extra shot or two. Gordon Hayward was, again, you know, kind of fine in this game. 15-10-4 sounds like it should be a pretty good fantasy line, but zero defensive stats of any kind. Sub-50% from the field. Missed a free throw, which has been a weird thing for Hayward this year. And, you know, I you know, I, I guess he does probably need to be rostered because, you know, what if he goes for 20 and 7 and 5 and it almost doesn't matter what other stuff he puts up there. But he just hasn't been very good this year. He hasn't. He's looked slow. I'm a little down on Hayward. I don't think you're going to feel all that bad if you missed out on getting him coming back if you want to call it early from this shoulder stuff. Charlotte stinks, and Hayward is not really helping the cause. 
Minnesota beat Chicago. They scored 150 points in regulation, and somehow uh, our guy Kyle Anderson wasn't a part of it. The somehow there is foul trouble. He'll be fine. You keep your foot on the gas there. Uh, D'Angelo Russell came back after missing a couple of games. Austin Rivers, who had been filling in, actually still had a decent fantasy line if you sort of accidentally left him in a lineup, but he could be dumped. Nas Reed left this one early, but he is probable with a uh, an injury to his traps muscle, the trapezius. You don't see that on the injury report all that often. But it sounds like he'll play. Rudy Gobert is questionable. So if he sits, then you get Nas Reed fired back up again. Jaden McDaniels, meanwhile, has uh, played a little bit better. He's kind of up and down season, has him right in that 90 range right now, which, again, you know, that's what happens to guys in that neighborhood. When you're between 80 and 125, all it takes is one or two big ball games, and you rocket boost back up to an area that we all kind of refer to as a, a must-start play, and then suddenly, you know, two, three quiet games later, you're back outside of that. It does make it pretty hard to put a stamp on a player. Uh, but I think, you know, certainly while Cat is out, McDaniels is inside the cut line, and I think you can kind of just roll from that point. And if we want to reassess in a couple of weeks, we can. No real news on the Chicago side. We had kind of one eye on Alex Caruso to see if he could make a living as just a steals specialist, and the initial returns were kind of meh, and they continue to be. Derek Jones Jr., a little bit of the same story. Patrick Williams, signs of life. He's been schedule stream kind of level for a little bit, but it's best not to explore too much beyond the main three on that uh, Chicago side of the board. Brooklyn rode some huge games from their superstars to a win on the road over Detroit. Royce O'Neal has slowed considerably here over the last two to three weeks. His shot kind of abandoned him. And now in this ballgame, he actually shot the ball a little bit better. But uh, he didn't have the rebounds, the assists, the steals, and the blocks that we had kind of become accustomed to. What I do worry about on the Royce side is that it it seems like the Nets are more willing to lean into a Utah Watanabe. Uh, TJ Warren only played nine minutes here. There, There are other options now on the wing besides Royce and so where at the beginning of the year he was basically just playing 40 minutes in every ball game that number has come down into the mid to low or low to mid 30s I guess we should say and unfortunately that might be the difference between him being a 75 80 range guy and 105 range maybe he falls into that schedule stream discussion as well I'm gonna hang on for now because he is a starting power forward on a team that's loaded with superstars and his job is basically to go rebound pass steal and block uh but he has been not as good of late. Meanwhile, on the Detroit side, we'd spent a bunch of time on the Pistons the last two weeks. When Jalen Duran got moved into the starting lineup, it's almost like everything kind of settled. Duran played 29 minutes. Marvin Bagley very much his backup. Uh, Duran's been awesome. Eight points, 11 boards, three steals. He was a plus 13 in a game they lost by three. Uh, I mean, it, again, plus minus doesn't tell you the whole story, but the starters for Detroit actually won their minutes in this game. Probably should have played him a few more. What do you think, huh? 29 minutes during, 31, Boyan Bogdanovich. It's almost like Detroit didn't truly want to win this ballgame. Gee. <sighs> My voice is too tired for a rant on tanking, but sometimes it's just right there in the papers, and you you don't have to dig all that far. Um, no real adjustments here on the Detroit side. Everybody's kind of where we left them. Uh, and I think we can continue to move forward through the weekend so that my 
voice doesn't explode on air. You guys don't like hear the sound of a ruptured vocal vocal cord in the middle of a podcast. We did get our first look at Golden State without Steph Curry and without Andrew Wiggins, so that was useful. Um, there was a lot of Dante DiVincenzo versus Thomas Bryant discussion on the internet, and I pretty consistently said you got to go Bryant because big man stats are just easier. They're just easier to put up fantasy value when you can stand next to the bucket and dunk. And indeed, that was the case here because, you know, Jordan Poole got hot and they didn't need DiVincenzo to do much on offense. So he had six assists and a couple of steals, and that was pretty much his ball game. Draymond's going to be fine. Clay's going to be fine. Jordan Poole's going to go nuts. Uh, once Wiggins comes back, it does remain to be seen who that impacts the most. It feels like it's probably going to be DiVincenzo, but I guess we don't really know that for sure. Uh, it is worth also mentioning that this is probably one of the poorer overall fantasy outputs that you'll get out of Dante. This is Don't let this be the reason that you go throw him into the ocean. He's going to be fine. He had a couple of good ball games prior to this one. Uh, but again, if you're like just fighting that head-to-head battle between DiVincenzo and Thomas Bryant, and you're, just, and you're trying to figure out which injury streamer is the guy that makes the most sense, you typically go with the one where it's just easier to get to fantasy value. And we've seen it before with, with DiVincenzo. He has an interesting fantasy game, but there are these very obvious holes that he hasn't fully addressed yet. Most notably, percentages are still not that great for him. Turnovers are still not that great for him. And so you do need a pretty good amount of stuff to counterbalance that in a way that with a guy like Thomas Bryant, he actually is pretty good in those three departments. And so you don't need as much stuff to get an up and over the cut line. For the Raptors, the, the sky is falling in Toronto, although they're expected to get OG and Inouye back early this week, perhaps even as early as their next ball game. Um, whatever you were thinking about maybe doing with Chris Boucher, I think you can probably put that on the shelf. And, you know, slightly decent news, I guess, out of Toronto from a fantasy standpoint, at least. Freddie Van Fleet is up to number 29 on a per-game basis now after three good ball games in a row. Uh, he was in the the late 40s, early 50s as recently as last Monday's reverse chronological lightning round program, and he's just he's boosting in a serious way up the board. So hopefully that continues. Aaron Smith had a good game for Indiana. Uh, Buddy Heald had a good game for Indiana, and uh, uh, not too many other players had particularly good games. Tyrese Halliburton, who's had a couple of quieter ones lately, he's fallen down to number 10. Uh... And, you know, a good ball game out of Harden or Jimmy Butler, and you might see Halliburton kind of hovering near the edge of the first round. It's hard to disagree with him being a really fun pick so far. He's also played in 29 games. Um, but I do, I mean, this is why when, when we were getting ourselves ready for draft day and he was going at like five or six in some drafts, there was this kind of moment of, ah, eh, like, it, can he get all the way up into that mega group? And the answer is, close i mean there's a lot to love about halliburton he's like a souped up cp3 uh but it did feel like a lot of the value kind of got siphoned going into the start of the season as far as aaron neesmith goes the the games are not always going to be this easy for him he was shot nine for 12 with four three pointers he had 10 rebounds there was a lot of career high stuff going on do not make your fantasy case for a player based on their best game of their career especially on a day where chris duarte makes his return and that's just going to further clog things up if you want a schedule stream, I have no problem with it. But again, if you're thinking games cap usage, I wouldn't I wouldn't venture down that path. 
Quentin Grimes is the guy I keep talking about on this podcast over on the Knicks side. He keeps getting really, really close to fantasy value, and he keeps giving me reasons to say, I just, I don't know, can I get all the way there? The answer is probably, uh, in the last two weeks, he's played full starters minutes, and he has been fantasy startable. Uh, The two blocks in this one was a pretty big number for him. That's not something that's going to stick most days, but the Knicks are on a serious winning streak, and some of that has to do with Grimes being kind of that starting lineup glue guy just playing a crap ton of minutes, and okay stuff is coming from it. I think, I think, you can probably just play Grimes as if he is a regular starter on your fantasy team now. He has that, I want to say 3 and D profile, but he doesn't hit that many three-pointers. He had a couple of games where he knocked out a bunch, but most of the time it's more like one or two. But it's good percentages. He's been able to shoot the ball well. Because, uh, again, not all of his shots are threes. Rebounds a little bit, passes a little bit, steals, block. He does a little bit of everything, and sometimes that can be useful. So I think we can officially take the plunge on that one, and I know it doesn't sound like I'm all that excited about it. But again, I'll remind you, the reason for that is that if I get excited, I will sound like puberty is coming, and I remember those years. They were awkward and not fun, and you don't want it to happen on a podcast. Orlando beat Boston 95-92. Mo Wagner's crazy run here continues. We still don't really know what the hell is going on with Wendell Carter Jr., but I guess as long as Wagner is, well, Mo, there's two of them on that team, as long as Mo Wagner is filling in this admirably, you just let it ride. The Magic have won six games in a row, and they are actively biffing any chance they have at a good old-fashioned tank. There's something good going on out there. Meanwhile, Bull Bull, you know, the slowdown there is, as we've talked about, expected. Um, he's never going to stay in the top 40 all year, but he is still kind of coasting along in like the 60 to 75 range, and that's probably mostly where he hangs out. He'll have some big ones. He'll have some quiet ones. His fantasy game is unbelievably easy to translate to 9-cat. So I do think that if folks are panic-selling... If you have someone like a, I don't know, uh, let's see, who's who's in like the mid-90s that's very safe with no upside? Like Yvitsa Zubats, I might not get it done. Uh, Trey Jones at 91, Jaden McDaniels at 89, maybe those guys get it done, maybe not. Is there anybody just outside 100 that might do it? No, not Mo Wagner, don't even say it. Mm, Draymond's 109, but that sort of changes the way your team's built. What about Gary Trent Jr.? Someone that, Kyle Kuzma, he's got a little name value because he's scoring 21 points a game. So if you're in category leagues and you can maybe get bowl for like an 80 to 105 range guy, I think I would consider doing it. And I'll try to get a couple of polls going on that uh, on social media today. See if that's even something that's within reach. Time Lord, second game back, played 17 and a half minutes, six points, five boards, two blocks. He's well on his way. Al Horford, 33 minutes. He's fine. There's no reason for concern there. Those two guys were part of what Boston built last year, and I believe you can expect that to continue. Uh, turning the clock back to Saturday and just feeling the hurt as we do so. 
Phoenix uh, Booker scored 58 in that ball game, but really more than anything for me, I was watching Chris Paul and he looked good again. 18 points, five boards, eight assists, a steal, five three pointers. I don't know where that came from, but you know we ain't gonna turn it away. And for CP3, slow climb up the board. He's up to 39% from the field, and his rank goes from 60 to 50. Just wait till that gets to 41%. He'll be number 40. Then it goes to 41, 42, 43%. Suddenly he's up near number 30. Everything he's done so far this year that's pushed him down the board has pretty much been tied to a depressed field goal percent. As that corrects, you can expect CP3 to get back inside the top 30, and I would treat him as such. As far as streaming stuff goes for Phoenix, I mean, I, I warned you that Bismarck Biombo was going to be a difficult one to roster, and indeed it has been. Over on the New Orleans side, Larry Nance, perhaps playing through some Achilles soreness, had himself a real clunker. Uh, he's going to rest that up now in sort of traditional Larry Nance Jr. way. He he has three, four really good weeks, then he has to miss a couple of ball games. He's an easier player to roster on the Roto side. There's no question about that, but he's a guy that I would hold on the Roto side because of how good he has been in every New Orleans competitive game when he's actually been fully healthy. Trey Murphy, only 22 and a half minutes in this ball game. He's started to, I don't know if it's hit a wall or if teams are starting to adjust a little bit or what, but he's lost playing time to Najee Marshall. Uh, if Brandon Ingram so chooses and comes back and ever plays another ball game, I think that's going to ding him also. You're seeing Herb Jones kind of cut into what Murphy's been able to do with this team. This is why, and I got yelled at a lot, and I didn't think it was that much of a hot take for me to say that I thought Trey Murphy was worth streaming kind of as long as a key guy was out but also that I didn't fully believe that he was going to be a playable guy when everyone came back. It didn't actually change what anyone was doing in the moment because we were just going to keep streaming him as an injury replacement, which for this New Orleans team has been all but basically like four games to this point. But I didn't think, like, I think the beef that folks had was that I didn't put him on the like the rest of season list and I kept having him on the streamer board. But, it, you know... In terms of what it actually means on the day-to-day -day basis, it didn't change what we were doing. All it really meant was that when the team gets healthy, if or when the team gets healthy, you need to keep an eye on him. And I think you're starting to see why. You know, like it, It's not a guarantee. He's not an established NBA stud. And there has been some erosion as the season's gone on. He's fallen from that... You know, he's top 40 for a while and a top 50. Now he's in the in the 60s, which is still very playable, but I don't think it's guaranteed. So all I'm saying is let's just pay attention to it and be ready to assess if we need to. I think you could probably add Herb Jones. Also a situation where I think it might be tied to the Brandon Ingram injury, but who knows? You know, he, 32 minutes in this one, that should be enough generally for him to hit fantasy value. No defensive stats, though, and that is the thing that's going to hold him back on a night-to-night -night basis. Those should even out in the medium term. Portland B. Houston, and I don't know that there's a single thing to take away from this ballgame. Yeah, nothing. Save your voice, Dan. Thank you, listener. Memphis loses at Oklahoma City. John Morant got ejected for having a chat with a fan, and then apparently there was like a FaceTime incident where he was apologizing to the fan, or the fan was apologizing. I don't know. I didn't follow it all. It was confusing but sounds like everybody's fine is I guess the end result there 
I have zero inclination to mess around with the Oklahoma City roulette wheel. Hey, remember who told you that Jalen Williams' fantasy game has not fully developed yet after he put up one point and six assists in 30 minutes? Just saying. He doesn't have a fantasy game. So let's stop screwing around with Oklahoma City. You guys, I'm, I promise you, you'll feel better about yourselves if you stop messing around with whatever the fringy guy is on uh, on that Thunder side. <laughs> Dallas rested almost everybody uh, in this game in Cleveland, so I don't think you should read a whole lot into it. Uh, Kemba Walker playing 42 minutes of an overtime game. I can't imagine his knees could handle him playing again for about three weeks, but we'll see how that all shakes out. You don't need to be adding him because Luka is in the mix. Well, you know what? I want to go back to Oklahoma City for a second. I I just I think we can all save ourselves a lot of time because every two weeks they change who's getting minutes. It seem and Jalen Williams is getting minutes right now because Jeremiah Robinson Earl is out, but his fantasy game isn't very good. But then, you know, Isaiah Joe here with Shea not playing, uh, and Josh Giddy not playing. And those guys might be back for the next one. So Lou Dort, does he get the next game off? Alexei Pokashevsky, he's in and out of the rotation. It's just annoying. Okay? That's the main point. It's annoying. By the time you figure out who the guy is that they're giving minutes to in a given week, it's too late. Screw it. I don't want it. I'm moving on. Nothing for Cleveland. Not really much on the Milwaukee side. Chris Middleton is back out again, which is incredibly annoying, but it hasn't really meant enough for what else they're doing there. Uh, Giannis sat this one out too. Didn't matter. They beat the crap out of Utah. Utah. Um, no Kelly Olenek, who tweaked an ankle in the loss to Milwaukee. Uh, he ended up coming back and trying to play through it, but not surprisingly, it did swell up. Luckily, it doesn't sound like it's a really big deal. So he should be back relatively soon. I think they'll probably, if I had to guess going to this one, uh, slide everybody around a little bit. Olenek is that stretch four, stretch five that they can use with the starting unit. So they may have to change the way they do things. You might see Walker Kessler actually get a start and then Vanderbilt perhaps move to the second unit and go a bit smaller around Kessler. We'll see how they play it. But uh, Kessler was a guy that should have been rostered and started anyway, even with this slower ball game. He's, his fantasy game is just too easy to translate. Uh, Mike Conley should get going here soon. I think you stick with him. Vanderbilt, really bad ball game. But he's bouncing around as per usual. I don't, I don't think you can go waiver wire with him. Although I, I suppose you can make the argument that he's more in that schedule streaming zone. Jordan Clarkson, not super into it in nine cat, more of a points league kind of guy. Beasley streaming here, still useful. We'll see what things look like if that team gets Olenek and Sexton back at some point in the near future. But I think for now, uh, those are the only things that you're really paying attention to. San Antonio. Jakob Pertl played 21 minutes here, 7.7 boards and a couple of steals as he continues to ramp up. You'll see the value for Zach Collins ramp down. And, uh, you know, Spurs are losing plenty of ball games. They're 9-20, and 20, so their tank is, is mostly effective. They may have to force loss a few more. How are you going to catch up with the god-awful Hornets these days? Yeesh. <laughs> Bring back an old coach to go lose a bunch of ball games. That's silly. Uh... Keldon Johnson was actually kind of decent in this one. Made his seven free throws. And then, of course, he got ruled questionable for the next one. I I got a question about Zach Collins. I, I'm not I'm not playing him off the bench. It's too risky. And especially as Pirtle, you'll see his minutes ramp up here, I would assume. 
and then maybe they sit him in back-to-backs or something like that, and then you'd look at Collins, but uh, playing behind Pirtle, that's a little bit of a dangerous move. I'm kind of liking what Victor Oladipo is doing for Miami. I do want to wait a little bit longer and see how this shakes out, but he had five steals. He played 34 minutes off the bench in this ballgame, and... You know, the steals is the big thing for him. That was always how he was able to put a big punch into his value. That one year, remember, where he was a second rounder, and it was like two steals per game. I don't know that that ever fully gets back there, but certainly playing against bench units, he has a better shot at it. Uh, I think you want to add him and kind of get in front of it. And then the Clippers, there was no John Wall in this game. Apparently his injury was, or sorry, no John Wall. There was no Paul George. In this game, there was a John Wall playing against his old ball club. Uh, I guess PG's injury was uh, more significant than just a rest day. But Kawhi Leonard, 32 minutes, 31 points, 9 boards, 3 steals, 1 block, couple of 3-pointers. Don't know why he's can't hit his free throws so far. But pretty sweet to see Kawhi getting rolling. And uh, yeah, that's in that's in full effect right now. And then Luke Kennard, who's actually been very good for the Clippers in spot plays. Um, and we also talked about Nick Batum on our Friday show, I think. And he was, once again, like pretty decent in a game the Clippers were actively trying to win with their veterans. And I think those are the games where you can use Batum. I think he's probably startable in basically every format because of that. And you know, most of the games Clippers are going to be trying to win. They're now 18-14. and 14. They're basically tied to get out of the play-in tournament <clears throat> Lakers, oh, Lakers, one and a half games out, AD down for a month. That's rough. Uh, I don't know if the Canard is a guy you're going to play every single game. Maybe more so with Paul George out is where I might fall on that one. And then, thanks to the great Matt Jeffrey for letting me know that uh, the teams that did not play over the weekend are the Hawks, the Sixers, and the Kings. And because my voice is so tired, I'm not even going to make jokes about it. I'm just going to use that great information. Hawks expect to get John Collins back in their next ballgame. DeJounte Murray is now questionable, so they might even get him back as well. Uh, if you're if you're playing real cautious, you could bench Bogdan Bogdanovich. You're not going to drop him. Clint Capella's still out, so Kongu is still a guy you're rolling with. I, I think the only real question is, do you start Bogdanovich if both of those guys come back for the Hawks? If it's only Collins, I think you definitely do play Bogdan because they're going to need his creation alongside Trey Young. But if it's both Collins and Murray, then maybe you bench Bogdan for one game, just kind of see what his role looks like, and perhaps you go from there. There's really nothing to talk about on the King side. Keegan Murray continues to kind of slowly figure this thing out. He's working his way up the board very methodically. I still believe that Malik Monk is more of a schedule stream than anything else. And then Philadelphia, there was no Tobias Harris in uh that Friday ball game, so Shake Milton got a few extra touches. Tobias is expected to play in their next ball game, and so I think then you can move Shake back onto the waiver wire and roll with Embiid, Harden, Melton, uh, and uh, I guess that's what. Am I forgetting somebody there? I feel like I'm forgetting somebody. No, maybe and Tobias, of course. We just talked about. It's okay. My voice is broken, but my brain is uh, only partially broken okay that's as much as i can do guys uh no promo today we'll get back into that tomorrow thank you for listening for bearing with me oh my goodness uh and we'll do everything else on social media because i don't have to speak those words i can make them with my with my fingers on a keyboard have a great monday everybody we'll talk to you tomorrow